welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. I do need to give a correction this morning. You know, we always tell you that when preachers come to preach from the pulpit, you have to, you should have your Bible. You should check. It could be telling you something that inadvertently is not right. I might be done right wrong. So we've always subscribed that no man, no preacher is greater than the Word of God. Can you say amen? That everybody bows to the superiority of Scripture. So it was uh, last Sunday morning I said something that was not quite right. And... Um, and so I have to bring a correction this morning. I was giving a little bit of a eulogy on Pastor Jim McConnell, who passed away in Belfast. And I threw out a fib. No, I didn't actually. I was going to say I deliberately said this to see if I could catch somebody out, if you'd spot the error. But I did say that Jim McConnell worked in the Titanic, which would mean he'd have to be about 135, 40 years old. Amen. And my son, Nick, with great glee, texts me that afternoon saying, <clears throat> how did Jim McConnell work on the Titanic when he was only 84, <laughs> when he died? <laughs> so I went, oh, yeah, now I recall better. Yeah, yeah. He worked actually for Harlem and Wolf in the, in the very place where they built the Titanic, in the Titanic offices. So I was partially right, okay? And he worked in other huge ships like the QE2 and things like that. So uh, correction to the bad doctrine I gave you, amen, it was unintentional. But my son, you little brat, wherever you are, you caught me, amen, well done. Always fact check, amen. Praise the Lord. May God bless his word this morning to us and uh, his dear word, because man shall not live on bread alone, and, uh, but every word that comes in the mouth of the Lord. I, I love that thought this morning. It's not even on my message, but the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, what we have to be careful of is, I'm not so much worried about the gates of hell. It's the gates of flesh. <laughs> Amen. And that we have something very precious in our church, and we have to fight to maintain that unity. And I think it's worth fighting for. Amen. So bless God this morning for each and every one of you. We should all be for each other. Amen. Your victory is my victory. Your defeat is my defeat. Your happiness is my happiness. Your sadness is my sadness. It's a body and we should have that sense of affection towards one another. Amen. I was just thinking when uh, Hamp was saying about Jehovah, because uh, coming from a Catholic background, yeah, we were always worried, warned about Jehovah Witnesses. We were thinking, what? Because I never knew the word Jehovah as a Catholic. Uh, it was God, the Father, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit, which is correct, and Jesus, the Lord Jesus. But of course, it's the, it is the ancient Hebrew word for God, Jehovah. So praise God this morning. Don't be stoned, but don't fear it. It's a fantastic. It's the name that he told Moses. Uh, tetragamation, uh, I am who I am, the self-existent one, and uh, he gave his name as Jehovah, so we praise his wonderful name, amen, and uh, hallowed be thy names, he has given himself many names in the scripture, yeah, yeah, the Lord our peace, the Lord our banner, the Lord our healer, amen, uh, the Lord strong and mighty to deliver, so we thank God this morning that he has not just given us his name, he's given us the revelation of himself through the Lord Jesus Christ and who is present now by the power of the Holy Spirit and will touch any life that will open the door of their heart to him today. So we want to bless you, Jesus. And I ask again, Lord, that you just touch this word. Help us today, Father God, to hear something from heaven, Lord, that will help us in our faith journeys, Lord, to, to live, Lord, a life, Lord, worthy of the calling. And Lord, a life, Lord, without regret, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 
turn your Bibles, our reading this morning is Second uh, Kings chapter 13, reading from verse 14. The title of the message is Claiming a Total Victory. Amen. Claiming a Total Victory. I hope you can uh, say amen in your hearts this morning because there is a series of battles yet to be fought, even though the war is already won. We have a little bit of cleaning up to do between now and in heaven. Verse 14 of 2 Kings 13, verse 14. When Elisha became sick with the illness that he died from, Jehoash, king of Israel, went down and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha responded, and take a bow and arrows. So he got a bow and arrows. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So the king put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hand on, his hand on the king's hand. Elisha said, open the east window. So he opened it. Elisha said, shoot. So he shot. Then Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory. Yes, the arrow of victory over Aram. You are to strike down the Armenians in Apec until you have put an end to them. Then Elisha, then Elisha said to him, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have, then you would have struck down Aram until you had put an end to them. But now you will only strike down Aram three times. Then Elisha died and was buried. It's an interesting account. You have this king Joash from the king, of, the king of Israel, the northern ten tribes that had broken away from the general body of Israel. You know that story, that the civil war was averted. Israel became two kingdoms. And it wasn't that Joash was a worshiper of false gods. He was a false worshiper of the true God. That's a more accurate description of him. He was more of a false worshiper of the true God. And yet there's something in Joash's, um, you could say in his awareness that in Israel, this mighty man of God, this, this, this great prophet that had saved many times Israel from defeat from the Syrians by giving them an, a sort of, in, uh, you know, an instep into their, into their tactical maneuvers against them. Every time outwitting the Syrians, God to protect them and overshadow Israel with this prophet. It preserved them against many military defeats and had given many military victories through his ministry. And now he's dying and there's a passing there's a, a sense of Ichabod. That's a word that we use from the Old Testament. Ichabod means the glory is departing. And there's this sense, this king, even though he's a king, he's a man of war. He's a man with his own mind. He does it his own way. He, he is lamenting because something precious is happening in the nation. There's a passing of this great man of God. And, you know, no matter how strong you are, there's always that vulnerability when great men and women of God pass you. When they go on the other side, you feel yourself less capable and less, less, less fortification around you. And I'm sure he felt vulnerable in his heart now that there was a passing of Elisha. And he's weeping over him. And I believe the emotion was weak, was, was real. It was emotional. He went to see this prophet. He's crying over him. And he's trying to cheer him up. He's trying to say, I know God's taking you. you know, the, the chariots of God and its horsemen, referring back to his predecessor of Elijah, when God came and swooped him up in the chariots of fire. And so there's this emotional tie-in to this man. And as I said, it's not that this was a strong Christian man. In actual fact, you know, he was, a, as I said, a very, very mixed man. Spurgeon once said, he said, dear friends, let us seek to live that even ungodly men will miss us when we are gone. It's a great thought, isn't it? That even this ungodly man, he knew to worship the right God, but he was ungodly. He was not a good king. 
You know, he wasn't a pagan. He, he just didn't worship the right way. He didn't live his life the right way at all. But yet he's here at the dying moments. And the last words of a dying man are, tend to be the most important. I saw that with my own father, how he, he measured his words very carefully. You know, he measured what he had to say to people around him so much so that it became very crystal clear. His focus was on their souls and his prayer life was targeting the same way. He knew he was departing, but he wanted his family, his children to be saved, his family to be blessed, the church to grow. And so his, his senses were all towards the extension of the kingdom. It wasn't about preserving himself. In actual fact, it was, it was crazy to watch him because he had no care for his life. There came a time in life where he resigned. He knew God was taking him. He had no issue with it. He, he had issue with the rest around that didn't know him. And so Elisha has this burden for Israel. He's the prophet to Israel. And so there's this... There's this you could say this overture from Elijah through the Holy Spirit to God himself to bring a victory back to Israel. It's a strange sort of situation. The kings of their time, you know, as with all kings, war was sometimes something to be played with. You know, they, they, they always came up on top and you, know, you always stayed king even if you lost a battle or two. And it was always that way within Israel. Sometimes the hinterlands and the outer regions were taken by the enemy in a Monday, but you take them back in the next Thursday. You know, it was this movement of land over and back and constant warfare. And yet, and that was the sort of pattern of life. And it's kind of patterns our own life as Christians, doesn't it? Where God can give us a victory and then the enemy comes in and takes back land, and then we say, okay, God, give me a victory on Sunday, but on Monday I'm in defeat. But I'll be back in victory next, Monday, next Sunday when I get to Cork Church. And this sort of a, this sort of a vacillating, this sort of a, this sort of a kind of a helter-skelter Christian experience can be many of our portion, and that's not what God would have for us. God has a total victory for your ends. Amen. God has a full victory for your life. And so God, there's this, there's this overture from Elisha, and he, he, he says some peculiar things. He tells, to, he tells Joash, he says, take, the, take a bow and some arrows and shoot out the east window. So the, the man just does it. You can nearly see there's possibly a confused look upon the king's face. Is the, is the old prophet getting senile? Is he just losing a few marbles near the end? What's this, you know, what's this all about? And so he gets the bow, and he puts his hand on the bow, and the prophet puts his hand upon his hand. And I want to tell you, friends, we need a touch of God in whatever you're going to do. Amen. It's not just about our strength, but God, God works with us, friends. There's this sense of the divine working with the human. That, I suppose that's the tremendous cooperation of grace, the tremendous intimacy of salvation, the tremendous intimacy of working for the Lord is that he doesn't keep us out of the equation. He brings us in. But every effort that we make has to have a touch of the master's hand. And so the king doesn't know what's going on. He puts, the prophet puts his hand on his and they shoot an arrow. And he says, it's the Lord's arrow of victory over Aram. Now, the king is not hearing, of course. There's a passion in Elisha. There's a conviction in Elisha that he's telling him something that there's a victory here over your enemy. Now, this enemy had dogged Israel for many years. In actual fact, Israel had become a vassal state to the Syrians and the army, to the Syrians effectively become a vassal state. In other words, they had independence, but were paying tribute all the time. They were basically under the control of their enemy. And now there was this opportunity where God was giving him a word that there could be total victory. And you know, friends, you, me, in our Christian lives, there's times in our lives when God begins to speak a word into your life that's telling you that he's going to give you a victory. And it can be met with a lot of lackluster. Have you ever been in that situation where you've been moved by the things of God? 
you have a word, you're reading the word, you're in prayer, or you're in the service, and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and say, today's your day. The word comes from heaven to you, but it can be met with such a lackluster um, approach from us. We can be so lacking in faith, friends. We can be so easily, you know, become religious and just go through the motions of it and fail to apprehend what God is truly wanting to do in our lives. This was the thing with Joash. Joash is lackluster. He shoots that arrow and, and then the prophet looks at him and he says, now shoot the rest of them. So he shoots three more arrows out through that open window into the dark. And there's, there's something that's very frustrating in the heart of the, of the, of the prophet because he's, he sees that he's not catching it. He's not really connecting to the message. There must be nothing more frustrating to God when his overture comes to us, when the Holy Spirit comes and quickens the word to our heart and we're dull of hearing. And actually, he says that in the Hebrews, you become dull of hearing. At this stage, you should have been, you should have been strong in the Lord. I paraphrase the scripture. But just like babies on, on milk, you can't eat the solid meat for the mature. But at this stage, you should be mature. At this stage, you should be in greater victory. At this stage, you should be in more command of your home and your resources and your life. And it should be a reflection of my goodness and my power and my deliverance. Yet many this morning suffer this sort of Jewish experience where the enemy, as I said, takes a Monday, we take him back on a Sunday. And so that experience is ours for years and years and years. And yet it saddens the heart of God. Because there's a victory in Christ, friends, that is assured for every believer. God didn't just save your soul, friends. Not only just saved your soul, he saved your life. Hallelujah. There's a transforming power that can give you the upper hand over the vices of the flesh and the devil and the world. And so Joash, he is not connecting the dots. Be it to him according to his faith, friends. Because Elisha said to him, he said, now because you've only shot three arrows out through that window, he said, you're only going to defeat the Syrians three times. But you should have gone five or six. You should have emptied that quiver. You should have fired them through because if you had, you would have, de- you would have done a decisive victory against the enemy. And you know, as we look at the scripture, the Lord has put a, showed me, I, I've seen this many times before, but this is a picture of prayer. You know, Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about the, 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 the armory of the Christian. You know, the, 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 we call it the, 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 the armor of God. Yeah, thank you. The armor of God, he talks about. And he, gives, he lists six of them in Ephesians 6. But there was a seventh as well, friends. You know, uh, you know it talks about the shoes of the gospel, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, you know, and, and the shield of faith. But there was actually another item that the Roman had in his arsenal. Paul doesn't allure to it, he doesn't say, but he also had a javelin. The Roman soldier was equipped with a javelin. Paul only mentioned six, but there was a seventh. There was a javelin. And so when you read Ephesians 6 here, and Paul gives out the, 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 the armory of heaven, the armor of God, he goes straight on and he talks. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. So he talks about this great gifting of God, the armor of God given to equip the man and woman of God for, for the battle. And then he goes in, and I believe... Number seven, the javelin or the spear that you will throw is the prayers, friends, that God will put into your soul. And so I want to talk about this morning the importance of prayer. 
I want to talk to us because it's something that we as Christians can so easily, so easily miss, friends. It's so easy for us to get involved in tasks and to miss what God would want of us. It's so easy for us to get so consumed in doing things that we have little regard for that intimate place of prayer and that place where God wants us to win a victory. That's where God wants. God wants you to have a full victory. When you invited him into your life, he was, you were born again instantly, washed in the blood. The Holy Spirit came in. But there was a life for you to enforce. There was a life for you, friends, to walk in victory. When Joshua brought the children of Israel into the promised land, it was their land. It was given to them. It was contracted by God, covenanted by God. It was theirs. I'm the land I'm giving to you, flowing with milk and honey. But there were was, there was, there was cities to be defeated, friends. There were squatters to be evicted. And so within our lives, friends, there is a prayer life that I believe God wants us to come back to. God wants me to come back to. God wants you to come back to. Because we will not have the complete victory until we learn how to shoot the hours of prayer. Thank God this morning that you and I have an open heaven. Thank God Calvary opened the way that our prayers can go directly before the throne of grace. Thank God this morning, friends, when he told the king to open that window. We shoot like the king did. We shoot to an open window today, friends. We shoot arrows, friends. Sometimes we have no idea where they're going to land. Amen. Sometimes we pray. We don't even know what to pray for. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. But we should always pray. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not faint. And there's something about the Christian experience where sometimes we can just draw back a little bit of prayer or a little bit of request from heaven. And it's all about the seed of our pants. But that's what Joash was missing. There was a victory for Joash. Had he apprehended it, had he fully caught what was being said to him, he would have spared the lives for many of his citizens. Many women would have not been made widows. Many children would have not starved to death. There would have been a rule of peace and prosperity in his kingdom. But he failed to hear what God was saying. And how often it is with you and I, friends, when God has put something into our hearts, we have failed to mix it with faith and pray it through. We failed it. A partial victory. A partial victory all the time. We always score a couple of victories. But I believe that the Holy Spirit wants us to pray. Take the arrows. Shoot them. Strike the ground. Shooting the arrows of prayer, friends, will require effort and aim. Shooting the arrows of prayer will require instruction and help from God. Shooting the arrows of prayer will have to be done through that open heaven. Understand that we're not praying to a closed heaven or a brass sky, friends. Understanding, because you can't pray in faith if you don't believe God hears them. And he hears us because of Christ. That's the open heaven. He hears us because Calvary opened the way to the veil of the body of Jesus Christ. That the way into that holy of holies, that veil was torn in two, friends. So that you and I could go in to the very presence of God in time of need. This is the wonderful opportunity that is laid at our feet that escapes us so many, many times. The greatest, greatest achievements we can achieve on earth and actually fact, is in that place. There's no doubt about it. I've been ministering and building here for most of my life now as a minister and, 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 and as, as a founding pastor at the church here. But I want to tell you, friends, the eternal things are only weighted in the place of prayer. I've no doubt about that. Everything else passes away. Building projects, uh, different sort of programs that we run or whatever. They're good, they're needful. There's nothing wrong with them. But when they're not cemented in prayer, 
when they're not prayed through, then there's something lacking. The full victory is not there. It's not apprehended by us. Shooting those prayers through that open heaven. Shooting the prayers must be done sometimes without knowing the exact outcome ahead of time. Have you ever prayed like that? You're going to pray, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. But it doesn't matter, men should always pray. Lift up your concerns to the Lord, pray them true, and keep praying until he says stop. Shooting the arrows was ineffective because it was not repeated enough. We saw that with Joash. Oh, why did you stop at three? It reflects his lack of confidence in the process, friends. And that's oftentimes something telling about our own walks as Christians. It can reflect the lack of confidence that God will truly hear a prayer and things will truly change if I seek the face of the Lord. I don't know about you, but it deeply, it deeply convicts me. I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking to me. All my life I've worked as much as I can with my natural labor and the best of the gifts that God has given me, but it's not enough. It's not enough. It takes men and women that will hear the word of the Lord, will have a confidence to shoot those arrows until God says, no, stop shooting. Not one or two, but keep on loading, friends. Keep praying for that family member. Keep praying for that husband. Keep praying for that sickness until God says, stop praying. Until our God answers you, you keep praying. You don't stop. Well, I did a couple of prayers. No, you keep praying. Keep coming to the altar. Keep kneeling before God. Well, I pray that through. No, you, you don't pray it through until God says enough. Amen. You don't, you don't stop. Men should not faint. There's things in your life, friends. You know, Joash, the ramifications of Joash not following through with the word of the Lord had huge ramifications, not just for him, but for his nation. And there's times when the Holy Spirit calls us to pray. And there's real stakes, friends. There's real issues at stake here. There's times and moments, there's opportunities of the Spirit that are given for that moment in time. Opportunities that God wants to take hold of. And should we take hold of them, there's a victory. And should we not, there is no victory. And the ramifications can be the souls of men. It can be nations. It can be other worlds, friends, that we don't realize I'm taught within this world. Other worlds around this nation, around this world of ours. Things that the Holy Spirit would call us in and develop. And we need to start bringing that back into our thinking that these are important things for us. Prayer is not an optional extra. It's not something, not something that we find easy. I would rather paint the wall, clean the floor. I'd rather sing behind the worship team than come and pray. Why? Because we have a lack of confidence in the process. But everything in the scriptures, everything that Christ said to us, and everything Christ showed us, everything that the New Testament writers and the Old Testament saints did, was that men should always pray and seek the face of God. Keep shooting those arrows of prayer. Shoot those prayers. Shooting the arrows will have strategic moments. And when that moment is past, is past, friends, you don't get it back. And as I said, failing to shoot those prayers can hurt others, not just yourself. There's a lot to be had in a prayer life, friends. And the man of God was angry with him. You should have, you should have seized the moment, Joash. Did you not hear what I said? In the arrow of God's victory over your enemy, Aram. The prophet didn't know how many victories he'd have, but he just knew you stopped too soon. Have you ever been in that place as a Christian? You just knew the Holy Spirit wanted you to tarry 10 more minutes. Just wait a little bit longer. 
Just push through a little bit more. And there was a victory to be had. But the doorbell rang or the phone went off. Or something else, some menial exercise pops into your head. And we leave that place, friends. There are so many situations that we should have kept shooting those prayers. But we content ourselves with small effort. He should have continued smiting till the prophet said enough, friends. Keep shooting in the battle against sin. Keep praying against sin. Can I hear an amen? If you've got besetting sins in your life, then you need to pray. And you need to keep praying. And you need to keep praying. Amen. And say, oh God, this is dogging me again. Keep praying. Break through with the Lord. Amen. There's a victory over sin for your life. Yeah, friends, this is the word of God this morning. Men ought always to pray. Keep shooting those arrows. Keep in the, shooting those arrows in the battle against sin. Keep shooting those arrows of prayer in the attainment of Christian knowledge. Some of you will say, I'm not growing in my faith. Well, pray. Say, oh God, open my eyes to the scripture. Lord, open my understanding to your truth. Oh God, give me wisdom. Jesus, Paul says, anyone who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. That's what God will do for you. You pray, you come, you ask, you knock. Keep shooting those hours of prayer in the attainment of more faith. I lack faith. I don't have enough faith. Well, pray. Keep praying. Let it be part of your prayer life. Oh, God, increase my faith. Oh, God, build my faith. And keep coming to the altar. Keep storing God. Say, oh, God, build my faith. Build my faith, oh, God. Until God says, that's enough. I've built your faith. Until God says, it's enough. You keep on asking. You keep on knocking. Amen. You keep on going through that open heaven. You don't know where it's landing. You can't see exactly what's happening in the spirit place. But you know it's the will of God for you to seek his face and to pray. Keep shooting to do more. For the kingdom of God. Oh Lord, I'm so lazy. My Christian walk is just a Sunday morning. And I don't know why it is. I just kind of give in to myself so easy. Well, come and pray. Keep on pressing through. Say, oh God, help me to deal with this. Help me to be more kingdom minded. Help me to be more sold out to the things of God. You can't do it from yourself. But if you ask. If you come and continue to ask. If you keep on knocking at the door. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. There has to be that hunger of the soul. There has to be that determination to lay hold of the Lord. For they shall be filled, the scripture says. Hallelujah. Keep shooting those prayers, friends. Because the world, the flesh, and the devil won't stop shooting back at you. Devil's not stopped. He's not holding fire, friends. Every opportunity, the accuser of the brethren, every opportunity, the enemy comes knocking and bringing all your failures to you. You need to keep praying. You need to extinguish every dark to the enemy. You need to go before God and pray. Prayer is absolutely vital for longevity in this race. It's vital. It's not, there's nothing else. To, I, I, I shut it. I'll tell you, I'd scratch my head if I could find another thing that would give you longevity in the Christian life. I'd tell you, I would do it myself. But I'm learning that men have to always pray and not faint. They have to always shoot those prayers through the open heaven. Not one or two or three. Keep shooting, friends. Keep praying. When God invites you to take something by faith, receive it boldly. And ask him, knowing that he's a great king and a giver to those who honor him and revere his request. Josh's lack of faith manifested in his heart. Heart, his half-hearted smiting the ground. How half-hearted he was. 
the dying words of a great man. He just heard the last words. Surely he should have heard something in them. Surely there should have been something in this man's heart. When we think of the excuses Joash could have made, none of them were valid, but I'm sure he, he could have made many excuses. Well, I stopped shooting because I didn't want to be so presumptuous and ask for too much. I stopped shooting because I'm not a very good archer. She never heard that one before. Prayer is someone else's job. They're better than, than me. I stopped shooting because I thought three was plenty. Friends, this morning, God's calling us to storm his very presence and to seek his face. And God is calling us to pray and not faint. I stopped shooting because I didn't think it would do any good. I stopped shooting because I wasn't in the shooting mood. Well, what has your mood got to do with it, friends? We don't live by our moods or our feelings. We live by faith in the Son of God. We live by faith in what God has said and proclaimed and done for us and in us and through our lives. I stopped praying because I didn't want to get overexcited. Oh God, I'm telling you, fill us again with a holy zeal for your presence. God, fill us again, oh God, with a desire to know you this morning, to see a total victory in our lives. All these things could have been his portions. This could have been the rationale of King Joash. Oh, I don't want to be presumptuous. Oh, I'm not very good at it. You know, trees enough. Blase, half-hearted. But men should always pray. You need to pray. I need to pray. We need to keep coming before the throne of grace in time of need, friends. And when we come before the throne of grace in time of need, God will meet us every time. God will bring the breakthrough. You know, when you shoot through that window, you don't know where the arrow lies. You can't see. And as many times we don't see the deliverance, we don't understand how God's going to do it, what he's going to do, when he's going to do it. All we are to do is to pray, believing. Let God do it in his time and in his way. The Bible says he makes all things beautiful. To trust him, to make a request known to him. You know, and this morning in conclusion, because I don't, didn't intend this to be a long message on a hot summer's day, and I'm baking up here with the heat. Don't stop praying. Go for a complete victory, Christian. Don't just be said of you that I'm saved and it's wonderful. That's, rejoice in your salvation. But be said of you that I'm walking in full victory. If, as I said, going back, if there's a besetting sin, pray. Just come and pray. And keep praying till God brings the change. Don't stop praying about it. Someone who's backslidden in my family, Pray until God tells you to stop. Don't pray because, oh, I think three times is enough. You know, are you sure two times wasn't enough? You pray until he says enough. You pray until he says, I've heard you, or the answer has come. Whatever area of your life, friends, you might be looking for personal issues. You might be looking for a husband or a wife. Well, instead of going on those dating apps, why don't you pray? Can I hear? Thank you. Instead of throwing yourself out there to the meat market, why don't you keep on going to God and say, oh God, I don't want to end up in a, in a bad decision here and end up having a one-day wander up the aisle and then a broken life after that. I'm going to seek you for your presence, for the partner, for my future. Maybe it's a job. I can't make enough money to pay my bills. And there's many like that. You're just on the breadline all the time. Your rent is so high. Your expenditures are so high. Even what you're getting is not even covering. You can barely even put shoes on your feet. 
I know a lot of people don't think that's the way in Ireland, but it is. People have the budget to buy a pair of shoes over a couple of month period now because the rents and their, the utilities are so expensive. But why don't you pray and say, oh God, and th- until God says stop praying about it, keep praying. Keep shooting the arrow. And open heaven. When we hear the last words of our Savior Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary, when he says with those, that final voice, lifting up his voice, he said, it is finished. The way into God's presence is now complete, friends. The victory has been won at Calvary. And when we understand that we don't come to a reluctant father, but God is doing something in the place of prayer that is so multifaceted, friends. Not only will God answer our prayer, God is doing something in our lives. He's doing something in the spiritual environment around us. He's doing something in other people's lives. It is multi. You shoot to that window. You don't know what you're hitting, but you're always hitting something. That's faith. I don't have enough faith. Then you need to come to water. I'm going to keep on praying until God increases my faith. See, faith is not your gift. It's God's gift. If any man lacks faith too, friends, he can come and pray for faith. And I pray this morning that as this prophet was dying, this mealy-mouthed, backslidden king, oh, he's emotional. He's emotional about his mom and dad's religion. He's a church boy, but never really lived up to it. And all it is is an emotional moment with him. And enough emotional moments out there. It's a time for us now to say, no, I need to press in with God and press through. Amen. And that's what God would have for you and me in Cork Church and everyone else that, for that matter. To shoot our prayers rapidly through the open heaven. Praying all the time. Praying without ceasing and only stopping when God tells us to stop, friends. Understanding because it's finished, we have a right to come in before the throne of grace. Understand because Christ won a victory, nothing can separate us. Nothing can stop our prayers from getting through. And even though if we can't even see where they land, it doesn't matter. They've landed. Hallelujah. That's the greatest test of faith, isn't it? To keep on praying and not knowing where your prayers landed or not. Not physically able to see with the natural eye, but able to see with the inner eye of faith that God has heard my prayer. And God is sending his answer. And God is fighting on my behalf. Oh, I can't see it. You don't need to see it. You just need to keep praying. Hallelujah. (laughs) Believing is not seeing. Seeing is not believing, friends. Believing is seeing. Even when you don't see with the natural eye, you see with the eye of faith that God will quicken even the dead for us, friends. God will hear our prayers because he's invited them. Men should always pray and not faint. May God help you today to restore maybe a godly order back into our lives because we all get a little bit convoluted with our Christian walk. We all get a little busy. We all get off on a little bit of a tangent. And somewhere in that journey, we lose the focus of what true spirituality is. Spirituality is praying and talking to God. Spirituality is making a request of the Lord. Spirituality and breakthroughs only come through from that place, friends. You may have a blessing in your life unsought, and that's a lovely grace to get, friends. But mostly God works through the area of prayer. You might have a blessing in your life unsought because it was prayed through by somebody else. Do you understand? Well, I didn't pray for that. You don't know who's... There's an economy of prayer. Many of us are here today because of the prayers of our moms and dads. I'm up here today because consistently because of the intercession of my mother. I know that. I shudder the day I hit mom and God will take you home. Hopefully to be a rapture before then and we all go. Because you need men and women to pray. 
And God needs you to pray because he wants you to uphold somebody else and become a partaker in the, in the divine nature. That's what it is, friends. Becoming a partaker in the divine nature is also the nature of salvation and the proclamation of the gospel. God has incorporated you and me into that arrangement. How mind-blowing is that? He didn't need to do it. But he didn't want you to feel like you're just an optional extra. Do you understand? You're a tag on. He made room for you and me to be part of this great equation. And as we surrender in faith and start shooting those arrows and stop shooting only when he tells us to stop, friends, then we will see the victories that God has for you and your family. Oh, Joash, you mealy-mouthed, backslidden idiot. You could have preserved the lives of thousands of people. You could have spared so much misery for Israel. But oh, no. You just hear a little bit of the story and you just hit three old arrows because that's the little bit of effort you want to give. Well, be it according to his faith. And that's what it was for him, friends. May God this morning stir me and stir you to pray more and to talk less. Knowing that when we pray more, he'll talk more. But it'll be under the anointing. And every prayer will have met would have hit its target. I said every prayer. Every single prayer that you've come before the throne of grace with has been heard. Even though it's a dark wind you shoot through, you can't see it. Even though you don't know where it lands, it doesn't matter. That's your, I know my prayers are kept in a bowl in heaven. Hallelujah. My prayers go before the very throne of grace like an incense to him. Amen. He holds them. They're precious to him. And he knows all things. I only know limited things. So I'm not going to stop praying because I know this is God's economy. This is how he's grafted me in to procure in the gospel and to enforce his kingdom upon this earth. That I will be done on earth as it is in heaven, friends. Let it be done in our hearts. Let us live as though wicked men will miss us when we're gone. Amen? That even wicked men, godless men, will miss us when we're gone. Because as with Elisha passing, he felt that Ichabod, so it may be with us, that with people would feel that Ichabod, that less, lesser sense of the presence of God because you and I have been promoted to heaven and maybe stir something in them to shoot some more arrows than just a mangy three. Amen. Would you pray, stand with me and pray this morning as we close the service. Stephen probably has a song here. Why don't you just say to the Lord, I'm not going to make any more excuses. doesn't mean I'm not going to mess up. We all, we all we're weak. But I'm not, going to, I'm not going to move away from the ideal of Scripture. The ideal is that men should always pray and not faint. And because of an open heaven, we should always be praying. And we should keep on praying for that husband, that wife, that situation until he tells us to stop. And when he hasn't told you to stop, you keep going. It stays on your list for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. It doesn't matter. You keep praying. Some you strike off the list because God's answered them or because God's told you to stop. But you keep praying. Next Sunday morning here, as in every Sunday morning, pre-service, there's prayer. There's a group of people gathered together for a half an hour before the service to pray and intercede for the church meeting here. You're welcome to join that prayer meeting. 10.30 here, Sunday morning, half an hour before service to get in and pray with the saints of God, to lift up the service, lift up that the presence of God will fill this place 
bring healing and restoration. Come and you could pray in the Monday night with the body online. Oh, I don't like online. It doesn't matter. We're in a pandemic. Get used to it. God changes it. We'll be back in person. We'll be safer. But we can come and we can pray. But most important is when there's no one else around, you learn how to pray yourself. You learn how to shoot those arrows. As I said to you, Ephesians 6, he gives six parts of the armor of God. And then he goes on, but pray always with all supplication. That's the seventh. That's the arrow. That's the important one. Put your hands to God this morning. Ask him. Ask him to fill you with conviction. To be a Christian man or woman is not just about having right doctrine. Right doctrine is vital. But it's been men and women that are authentic, can talk to God and to go into his presence and fire those prayers to heaven. Just remember, you may not fire your prayers to heaven, but the enemy is going to fire arrows back at you. He ain't going to stop shooting at you. He needs to start learning how to shoot back. Amen? Amen. Learn how to grow up. Be strong. God's given you the powerful weapon of prayer. You're not going to use it. Then don't come running to the pastor. Because all we're going to do is keep on telling you the same old story until something sinks into your spirit. And don't be looking for someone else to pray you through all the time. There may come moments of desperation where you have no voice and we're happy to pray with you. But I want to tell you, that can become an excuse. That can become a laziness. That can become a Joash. The same Christ that I serve, you serve. My voice is no more special than your voice. And I don't have a wider window than you. And I don't have, friends, some sort of pecking order of favorability in God's eyes. He's no favorites. They're all, we're all his favorite. We're all his favorite. Every one of my children is my favorite. And he says, I want you to use the open window now. You are in deadly, deadly times. You're in deadly times. You need to pray. You need to come back to pray. You need to get into prayer meetings on Monday night. You need to get in. You need to find groups of Christians. You need to pray with them. You need to fire some darts against the enemy, friends. And you need to start winning some victories. And you need to start redeeming some families and some relationships. And then I believe, I believe all my heart is supernatural will return as regards healings. We're all looking for the healings, friends. We're all looking for the sort of demonstrative side. And I'm, I'm all for that. Come on, friends. Let's start praying for salvation. Let's pray against the enemy. Let's push back darkness. Amen. Let's let those arrows fly through that open heaven. Right. Let them strike the earth. Let's get enthusiastic because it's finished. The victory is ours. Christ will answer every prayer. Hallelujah. Something will happen within me. Something will happen within you. A more complete victory, friends. Not just a partial one. Oh, something will just come inside you and say, this is incredible. I've been 30 years as the most mundane Christian, but I've learned to pray. And all of a sudden, the weakling has turned into a man or a woman of great valor. Oh, Jesus, help us. See, it's not about education. You don't want to be highly educated to pray, friends. Sometimes too much education stops you from praying. You intellectualize everything. Sometimes you need to unlearn some of that nonsense. Some of you get so over-trapped in your doctrine and your fatalism that you'll never pray and you will never have a full victory. You're going to heaven. Don't worry, I'm not taking away salvation. But you're never going to see a full victory because you're so into that fatalism. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, 
And you know what I mean by fatalism. It's not that we're doctrinally inept here at Cork Church. We understand the great philosophies that accompany doctrine. But there's something far more that you can't argue with men should always pray and shoot those arrows and something of the divine and the supernatural will happen. Now I want you before we close the service, what is it that God is saying to you? Who is it that God is saying to you that you have stopped praying for you and God didn't tell you to stop praying for them? Or God didn't tell you to stop praying for that. You need to go back to that place and you need to start putting it on your prayer list again. I have 139 names on my prayer list. I'm not saying that as a boast. But I built up that over the pandemic because I'd be honest with you, I tried to cover every, you know, your mind goes after a while, but just 139 people that are very, very close to me in ministry and family and children and grandchildren. And it's amazing when you start putting them on that list and pray. At times where I go a bit tired at nighttime and I, I'm exhausted, but I would start, if I had forgotten it that day, I was before God, I start naming them out, Lord, and bless my dear mom and comfort her, Lord bless my brothers, Lord, that are going through some health issues. Bless my, and I name them out, name them out, name them out, and I won't stop until God tells me to take them off the prayer list. God, by God's grace, we can increase prayer lists today. I'm encouraging you to do that. The only reason I throw that number is because I want to tell you that you have, there's more capability in you to pray than what you realize. And your voice will be heard and God will answer. And you will see incredible victories that you have been escaping you now. Oh, let us live that ungodly men will miss us when we're gone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ask him. Ask him. Fill me with prayer, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Give me my voice back, Lord. Help me to come before your throne. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just where you are, we're near the end of the service, would you just ask the Lord, say, oh God, I want to find my voice again in prayer. I want to find my voice again, Lord. Please help me. Please help me to pray faithfully and not to stop until you tell me to stop. Let me tell you one thing in closing. Apostle Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. And the only way I know to pray without ceasing is when you pray in the Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to ask God, say, oh God, I need you to fill me with the Holy Spirit because I need the spiritual language to pray in, in, in situations that my normal language could escape me. You need to pray. God will answer. God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about it. You're already, the Holy Spirit's already in you. He just wants, wants you to open your mouth and start speaking. Let the river flow. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at courtchurch.com or just check out our website www.courtchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.